All right, here we go. We're going to switch it up. Here we go. Now you can hear me. Well, that's right. That's right. I'll have to be careful. I don't want to triple myself here. Uh, but listen, we're in the middle of this teaching series called Practice Makes Progress. And in the middle of all of our preparation for this series and, and getting ready for it, we've helped and gotten help and, and others involved in it. And one of those, those gentlemen was Tom Miller. And Tom Miller was here last week. And in case you're wondering, we said Tom Miller was going to be here this week. But Tom Miller's not here. What happened? Well, Tom Miller called me yesterday morning, and he got sick. And so he was unable to join us <laughs> join us today. And so in the midst of, of that, what I'm going to do, I'm, first of all, I want a disclaimer. I'm not a mental health professional. All right? So I want to say that in case you're... In, in question or doubting that. Uh, but the other thing is he graciously shared with me what he was going to share. So I'm going to take a, a bit of his contact, use my voice uh, to talk through some of these aspects of mental health. Because in this series, what we're talking about is really living an integrated life with Jesus. And so as we think about this idea of practice makes progress, this Sunday evening, something's happening. Do you guys know what's happening? Usher concert, Usher concert someone said. That's happening. <laughs> And that's in the middle of that's in the middle of something else. What's in the, what's in the middle of that? The puppy ball. Taylor Swift. Pictures and catchers report. <laughs> Pictures and catchers report. You guys are you guys are a tough audience. Well, for other people like myself, the Super Bowl is going on, and I'm looking forward to that. But as you think about even the things you guys mention, all the things that those people are involved in, including though they're not people, the puppies are involved in, there's a lot of practice, right? There's practice, there's training to get to this moment, this point in time. And in our lives, we want to live a life of, of practicing. We want to practice what it means to walk in the Jesus way, to live out his design for our lives, that we are intended to be an integrated people. And so we've talked about spiritual aspects, and this week, and last week, we're going to talk about the mental health side of things. But it's my hope and, and my desire, even for us, that we even consider how God may be working in our own lives as we consider this area. Because oftentimes, this area has a stigma. Oftentimes, this area isn't talked about in the church. Oftentimes, people want to do things like, hey, Jesus is here. And everything else in our life is over here. Like, in other words, this is spiritual and this is sacred. You know, like this is, this is sacred, this is secular. You know, they're compartmentalizing all these things. If you just say Jesus enough, all of a sudden that area is addressed. If you just use enough Bible verses, it's addressed. And what can happen is we live a disintegrated life as a result of that. And that is not helpful because that is not the way of life that we are designed for. That is not what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life to the full. Amen? And, you know, as we think about that and as we consider that, what we want to do is we want to make sure we're giving proper attention to the different areas that we're talking about. And so as we start our time off together today, I want us to read this psalm together. And I want to actually have a stand for the reading of God's Word. We don't always do this, but while we're here, we're going to read Psalm 23. And many of you know this, and so do your best to read this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right, you may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. So as we look at this passage, there's a couple components here. You see God's deeply involved in caring for us, right? It says the Lord is my shepherd. That means he's intimately involved in my whole life. I, I will lack nothing. And you may be like, well, I'm lacking something right now, right? Like I'm experiencing lack. But what this speaks to is the fact that deep within us all, in our souls, we have these longings and we have these yearnings. And there's only one that can satisfy that. And that's the good shepherd. That's the good shepherd. And he cares for us and he's attentive to us. And, and there's this redemption that he does in our lives. And you see that in the first part of this psalm. Right? You see how he's not only involved in our lives, but how he provides this refreshing for us, how he guides us, how he, he directs us for his namesake. And even when we're going through the darkness and the difficulty of life, even when we experience that, because life isn't just all happy, good times, and everything's great, right? There's some really hard stuff, right? I know many of you had a hard week this week. You know, I know many of you lost a loved one, lost a family member recently. That's hard stuff. That's difficult. You know, some difficulties at work, some challenges that are happening, a lot of pressure at school. And even in those times, he walks with us. So he's really involved in our lives, and he cares deeply for us. And it says that your rod and your staff, they, they're going to comfort me. They're going to comfort me. And so he's the God that is attentive to us. He's the God that sees us. He's the God that walks with us. But then he talks about how he prepares a banquet, a banquet. And, you know, when you think about this banquet, how it says you prepare a banquet before my enemies. And, again, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. As it speaks of that, it's really, it really speaks almost as if what we did on, sun, on Saturday, or Friday, excuse me, uh, is really throwing this party at night to shine, right? This no strings attached party for these guests saying, hey, we, we see you and we're for you. And in a lot of ways in our lives, when we think about the magnitude of who he is and what he's done for us, it's important we don't miss not only that he's intimately involved, but that he's preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And we know the ultimate enemy that we're dealing with is sin and death, right? And, and Satan himself, but he's prepared victory for us. And he says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is good news, friends. This is what we need to hold on to as we even think about this area of our lives, to have a perspective that he's involved in our lives, that he has good things in store for us, even when it's not or life doesn't go good, right? He has a way of turning 
good things out of bad things, right? He has a way of working those things together. Well, as we continue on here, I want to remind us what Tom talked about last week, which is what is mental health? And mental health involves these three components together. And so why don't we uh, read these three together, starting with soul, and then we'll go to the next one, which is spirit, all right? Ready? On three. One, two, three. Soul, spirit, body. Soul, spirit, body. And so when we start talking about mental health, we're talking about how these three are integrated. But oftentimes, what can be tempting to do is to pick one of these areas. But they involve, mental health involves all three, all three components of our lives. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure we don't lose perspective about this. Because again, part of this series and the reason we're in it is because it's tempting to compartmentalize our lives. And when we do that, that is when we start living a disintegrated life, when we're called to an integrated life. And so I want to encourage us to even think about what it is that we're seeing here. And then as we think about what, what is mental health, our soul consists of, of three parts. And so these are three parts, and this again comes from Tom Miller himself. Mind, which is our thinking, aware or unaware thoughts that we're having. Will, our, our want to, our action-oriented doing, emotions, our feelings about what we're thinking, what happens to us, or what actions we take. Again, these three areas really help us to understand mental health on the, 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 the area specifically around our soul. And so as we think about that, these three things then lead us to look at how we experience redemption. How do we look at, experience redemption when these three circles that are here, and we've talked about this before in this series as well. But as you look at what it is that the good news of Jesus does, when you consider what it is that we're talking about, and even how we address our mental health, it's important to remember God's design. God had a design from the beginning. We are image bearers of God. We're intended to know God, to walk with God. We were created for that. And then we see that that is broken because of this word sin. And sin is really the inability to receive God's love as the way it's intended and then to respond back by loving him and loving others. It's to miss the mark, right? It's to, to live out things that we think are true because it's a way of life that we know but isn't true. Another way of saying that is we're living lies but we don't know they're lies. And so then brokenness comes into our lives. And we see brokenness everywhere. There's not a lack of knowledge of where brokenness is. If you look at your own life or you look around you, you can point out to the different areas where brokenness exists. You see it very clearly, right? You see it through social media. You see it on the news. You see it at work. You see brokenness everywhere. But the gospel of Jesus changes things. And the way that we go from brokenness to the gospel is to repent and believe. And repent is really a part of our soul. It's part of the mind. It's saying, I'm changing my mind and my direction, and I'm putting my trust in who this Jesus is and what he's done for me. And as a result of that, through the gospel of Jesus, through his life, death, and a resurrection, through his life, death, and resurrection, we can recover and pursue God's design. We can recover and pursue God's design. In other words, he's in the business of redeeming things. 
He's in the business of making all things new. And we know when we when he comes and and he and he comes and he establishes his kingdom that he's going to make all things new perfectly and completely. But we're in that that process, right? He wants to take every part of our lives, the things that have gone wrong, the things we've gotten wrong, the wrongs that have been done to us, and he wants to bring redemption. He wants to redeem those things. And so through the finished work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can recover and pursue God's design again. This is good news, guys. This is awesome to think about. This is what we're invited into through what Christ has for us. Well, as we continue on here, we want to make sure that we look at the different practices that will help us to do that. And so I want you to think about one of the practices that, that Tom recommends here is to keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. Athletes don't do amazing things because they are superhuman. They do them because they've practiced hundreds, if not thousands of times. Yes, you can. It takes practice. So in other words, whatever mental health aspect that we're, we're talking about in our lives and pursuing what Jesus has for us, it does take practice. And I just want to give a shout out to all of our Lehigh basketball players, the women and men's team who beat Lafayette yesterday, by the way. Yeah, come on now. Took down Lafayette. And as that's happening, I'm, I'm rec reminded that they didn't just get to that point where they were able to defeat them by just rolling in to the game and be like, I hope it goes well. <laughs> There's a lot of practice, right? There's a lot of practice that goes into that. Even practice before they ever got to the campus of Lehigh and became a student there. In our lives as well, we need to know that it's not about perfection, though. It's about practice. It's about practice that allows us to recover and pursue the things that God has intended and created us for. And so I want you to hear this because I'm, I'm in the midst of doing some training programs on, on my rower. I do this thing called hydro and there's this guy named Peter Donahue and he's from Ireland. And I'm not gonna pretend to do an Irish voice or try to because I don't do it really well. No, it's magically delicious. No, I see, I see, that's, that's where I go. That's where I go, Lucky Charms, I, I don't know. I know, that's just bad. If you're from Ireland, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> But in the midst of that, in the midst of it, he says to, to me, as he's training those who are involved in it, he says, hey, on the hydro, this is a coach, he goes, the goal isn't perfection. Training isn't supposed to be perfect. It's about progress. Training isn't supposed to be perfect. It's about making progress. And for all of our perfectionists out there, for all of us who get paralyzed by what we've got to do, we need to just stay focused and do the, right, the next right thing. We need to keep up the good work, the good work that we're called to. So this is one of those practices that we can step into and that we can lean into. But I don't want you to miss out on what it is God's trying to do in your life because you're distracted by perfection or you're in your ambition trying to make it happen in your own strength. Rather, joining him through trust and surrender, and pursuing and recovering what he has for you, the redemption that he desires for us to experience. And that brings us to the next part of this, which is really to look at the idea that Scripture talks a lot about who we're becoming, not just what we're doing. And I want you to hear this because 
so much of what can be tempted, tempting to do is just to be about our actions. And our actions are really important. They're an important part, but they're actually to flow out of our inner life. Our inner life is to lead to our outer life. And, and that doesn't mean that there aren't things that will help to create the conditions for our inner life to grow, but we don't want to lose sight of the idea that the Scripture calls us and commands us to develop a virtue. And here's a great passage on that. And listen to what Peter says here, okay? It says this, His divine power has given us what? Everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious, what? What's the word here? So that through them, you may, what's the word? Say it again. Participate, not sit on the sidelines, participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then it goes on to say this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control, into self-control, perseverance, into perseverance, godliness, into godliness, mutual affection, into mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, and what's the word here? Ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's never just about what I know, it's about who I'm becoming, right? It's about how this is going from information to transformation, right? And, we're, and then it will lead to multiplication. It will flow out of my life. But these are virtues. And these are the pursuits of our life that we are, we are to, to go after as we are in Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then as we continue on here, it says this, but whoever does not have them is what? What's the word here? Nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. And so as you think about this, we, we don't want to be the person who's nearsighted, blind, and forgetting. That we have been cleansed from their past sins. Some of you, some of the part for your own mental health aspect is one, there's a shame that you keep allowing to hold you captive. You, man, you're held captive to shame. For some of us, it's our own pride. We look at somebody else's sins comparably to our own sins, but we forget I needed to be cleansed. I was spiritually dead no matter what I did. I needed to be brought back to life. And on either, on either one of those, those cases, we don't want to forget what he's done for us, how he's made a way through his finished work on our behalf. And that changes us from the inside out and allows us to pursue these virtues in our life. Who we're becoming then will lead to what we're doing and what we're about. And then it goes on here, and this is the Apostle Paul, 
in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says this. Let's just read this whole verse out loud together. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. And so as we think about this, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and this is specifically addressing how he goes about his pastoral ministry. But I really do believe it has implications for our own lives as well. How are we handling how are we handling the, the word of God? How are we presenting ourselves? Again, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Because we're meant to be people who are in the scriptures. Because being in the scriptures, again, it's a mirror. It mirrors to us who we are and who Jesus is. And it's meant to conform us into the likeness of Christ and to experience in a deeper way who he is. Well, as we continue on here, here's the next practice as we've talked about keep up the good work in that is Jesus expressed his virtue by pleasing his father. Be like Jesus. And so if you want to make sure that you are not missing the mark, I encourage you, and it's easy to say, be like Jesus. We're in a church, right? I mean... Like, hey, be like Jesus. And you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Like, be like Jesus. But really, when you look at the life of Jesus, he was so enamored with what his heavenly father had for him. In fact, he would get alone and say, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what my father, heavenly father has me to say. And so, in other words, he just really, in other words, he recognized how his heavenly father had good things for him and wanted to step in them and walk into them. Again, practice, keep up the good work. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep up the good work. And so here's another practice. Here's another practice for us in order for us to think about what it is that we want to experience when it comes to mental health and wellness. Part of that, again, is to keep up the good work we want to practice but it's also to heed God's warnings. You know, Scripture is such a gift because it gives us the wisdom of how life is intended to be lived. But wisdom not only tells us how to live, but also tells us when we choose to step out of that way of life, what happens. And there are several examples through Scripture about this happening. There's several times that this takes place. And I won't go through all of these, but as you look at these, you see an example after example of people doing what they wanted to do versus what God had for them to do. And the results, the results were disastrous. And in our own lives, this doesn't mean we're not past redemption when we make mistakes, but what it does mean is we can avoid unnecessary heartache and pain if we will yield and heed to God's warnings. Therefore, our benefit. God is never trying to hold back on us but he, rather, he's for us, and he cares for us. And so he has our best in mind. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to thrive. He wants others to do so as well. And I know in my own life, whenever I've chosen to ignore a warning, it doesn't end up working the way I thought it would work. I can look back at times where I, I, I chose my own way versus his way. And even I could make it look noble and put a lot of great language around it, use a couple Bible verses to justify it. I know you're like, a pastor could never do that. 
Well, this pastor has. I've done that before, right? In my own life, I've missed out at times because I didn't heed his warning. And wisdom is heeding God's warning, and it allows us to grow in prudence. So as we continue on here, I want us to look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians. It says this. It says, now if a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. As if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the, the whole body were an eye, where, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has place the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? Okay, so you're hearing this great description, a lot of words here, in case you're like following along with me. Uh, again, just talking about the fact that, hey, we, we need one another. Continue on here, and it says this. It says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. By the way, these, this verse in particular is one of the driving verses for our special needs ministry. And really when we think about what Lisa Jones just shared about the fact that we don't need to look at the weaker as less. But again, they are indispensable, right? It, it makes it really clear in this passage. Um, and, and we don't want to lose sight of that. And then it goes on to say this here. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it and so as we we think about what first corinthians 12 15 22 is getting at again we see the power of being together in it we see the power of saying hey we're, we're walking with one another we're going to honor the part of who we are in it. And we don't want to lose sight of that because if we minimize who we are, if we minimize who others are, that's part of how we lose sight of having a healthy mental picture, a healthy mental picture and walking into all that God has created for us and intended for us as his church. And so as we continue on here, I want to remind us to practice heed God's warning. So throughout this we, again, live oftentimes disjointed lives, but these are meant to work together. So if we're not heeding his warnings in one of these areas, it's going to lead to disastrous results. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that we continually, we continually heed what he says to us, that we live a life of surrender, yielding to him and believing that he knows what's best. Well, as we continue here, I really want to encourage us with this practice, talk back to God. And again, there's several ways that you can do this. 
but one of them is to thank him for his goodness. There's some psalms here. Share your emotions, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. You know, a lot of times we're afraid to come to our Heavenly Father honestly and with hope. And when we do that, what can happen is we start to pray to ourselves. And if you don't know what that looks like, it means that you're ruminating on something, but you have yet to talk to him about it and to let him into that space. So what's the thing in your life that you think is uh, just ordinary, plain, that he has no desire to know about? What's that area that you just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take it from here. You, you couldn't possibly have time for this. What's that, that area that when you think about even how you view God, that instead of coming to him like Jesus said, I know many of you, you have a hard time praying like Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed, he said, this is how you're to pray, our Father. Some of you, when you pray, you say, dear God. And I, hey, listen, I'm not trying to knock how you pray. This is not a judgment on that. But sometimes I think we do that. And we do that because we're afraid to experience the intimacy and the connection that we were created for with him through the finished work of Christ. Jesus prayed that way for a reason. And he shows us a different way. And we're to enter into those spaces with him. We're to share our emotions, the good, the bad, the ordinary, the extraordinary, the, the Excel spreadsheet that I'm looking at. I have no clue what it is. What, what is this? What does this even mean? You know, a car issue, an issue with my child's, uh, you know, sports schedule. Uh, you know, whatever it is, he cares about. He's, it says in the scripture to cast our cares on Christ because he cares for us. And here's another practice. Use his word as a launching point. So as we think about this, as we think about this, we want to make sure that we're, we've talked a lot about the scripture because one of the things that can happen with mental health, if we're not careful, we can do it in our own strength versus allowing the scripture to be the oxygen that we breathe in. I know for me, as we got ready for night to shine, I needed to take a big dose of oxygen. I needed to be reminded, I opened up Psalm 115, where it says, not to us be the glory, not to our name be the fame, but to your name be the glory. And it was just a good reminder. Oh, let me breathe this in. And it says this in Proverbs 25. Let's read this out loud together. The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insights draws them out. And so as we, we think about these practices, we want to we be able to use his word as a launching point. And then as we think about this idea, we want to also look at the, the, the focus of meditation on Scripture. We want to meditate on the Scripture day and night. And a lot of times meditation in the church can get a bad rap, but it's a very scriptural concept, just in case you didn't know that. Right? We're called to meditate on the Scripture day and night. We're, we're called to meditate it, meditate on it, so that we can focus our mind on it. In fact, Jesus does this, right? When, when he's tempted, what he does is he takes the scriptures he's been meditating on and says, it is written. I mean, that doesn't come just happenstance. It's because he practiced it. It's because he let it go down deep into his heart, into he, to who he is. And then it spoke, it came out of him as he spoke and as he was tempted. And then here's some meditations that, that change us. And I want to, you can take a look at this, but what I really want to encourage us to think about, because there's a lot of practices here. I want you to be thinking about maybe one or two that you can take and to apply. And then what we want to do is we want to just take a moment, even as we, we wrap up our time 
in the word this morning. I want to invite the band to come on up. And as they come up, what we want to do is we want to give you a chance to, to respond, to respond to what it is that God has for us. And one of the other practices that Tom mentioned, and even as we think about it today, is not to get ahead of ourselves. So what we want to do is we want to be a people who are so fixated on seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added unto us. And so as we look at this, and again, I'm no Tom Miller. I'm not a mental health professional. I'm Joe Velarde, a pastor. But I did want us to be able to start thinking about, hey, what areas within this could I start to give thought to and attention to? A lot of anxiety happens when we get ahead of ourselves. A lot of worry comes when we're starting to look so much into the future that we're not focused in living in the moment, living in today. And ultimately, the, the treasure that we receive is found in who this Jesus is and what he's come, and come to give us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so the ultimate treasure of knowing him and walking with him. And I want to say to you, if you're here and you're saying, hey, as I look at all this, this is great. I want to encourage you as you're working through these, maybe you come to the point where you need more help. Hey, we want you to know we are pro you getting professional help. We want you to know we are pro as under uh, physician's guidance. If you need medication, we are pro these things. And, and we're, as we're pro those things, they're not in the absence of what I just said. A lot of times it's this or that. And that is not scriptural. That does not help us. That does not allow us to walk in the Jesus way. And so I want you to hear me say that. Like we, but if we don't have ourselves anchored in Christ, and then we walk in the freedom that he has for us, we can miss out on what he's inviting us into. So as we go to this time of worship, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to pray. And then as we pray, we'll have a moment to just sing out to God and to ask him to help us in this area. Father, right now, we thank you so much for your love for us. I pray right now, God, that you would move and you would minister in, in our lives. And whatever it is that we need, whatever it is that we need to experience, I pray we experience your word, your whisper. And I pray that we would allow ourselves to be open to you. Jesus, we are so grateful that we can come to you. And we thank you for the finished work of Christ on our behalf. And just what that means and what that says and signifies for us. Help us to be people who grow in virtue, who we're becoming, that then will spill out to who we're becoming. So, Lord, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.